0: A while ago I saw a little notice on LinkedIn. A former colleague of mine had joined this company called InVision. I was curious about what they did and so I clicked through to some of their social media profiles. Turns out they make tools to help product designers build and collaborate on their projects. And then on their Twitter account I saw this link that they'd shared which went to a landing page which advertised a piece of content that their marketing team had created. It wasn't a how-to blog post or an ebook. It wasn't a webinar or some kind of sales enablement piece. It was none of those things that we typically associate with a B2B business doing content marketing. And yet, apparently, it created all the benefits of those things and more. I scanned that landing page to see the logos of nearly every company we admire in tech. Companies transforming the way we all work and live. Billions of people around the globe. Now... I've worked in content marketing my whole career, always for B2B companies, just like the one I discovered with Envision. And I had two reactions to this project of theirs. The first, the immediate and the visceral response, was envy. What I wouldn't have given to do something this creative, this stunning in my work before. And my second reaction was complete and total shock. Not because they created this thing, but because everything about the way they did it, from the people they chose to lead it, to the way they brought it out into the marketplace, made absolutely zero sense. It's big, it's bold, it's brave. It's unthinkable. Stories of conventional thinking in our work, and the people who dare to question it. I'm Jay Akunzo. So, okay, the the thing that Envision created was so darn great, it brought a tear to this content creator's eye, but it was also so darn different compared to the normal approach in their space. But before I tell you the difference, I thought I'd let you hear it. Okay, so first, let's start with the average approach to B2B content marketing. All right, let's see. How are we going to hear this thing? Okay, um, okay. Are you running a business that sells software to other businesses? Do you need more leads and sales for that business? Well, I have some great news for you. Introducing Best Practices. Boom! Best Practices are the new and revolutionary way to act like everybody else. Simply visit your favorite search engine or social network, ask your question, and within seconds, you'll be swimming in a sea of similar ideas. Need to rank on search? Try some tips and tricks articles. Boom! Need to generate leads? Cram an ebook behind a giant form. Boom! Want to bludgeon, I mean nurture your leads? Don't create, automate. Boom! Is any of this good? Probs not. Do lots of people still do it? <laughs> Obviously! Or at least according to this one guy I read on Medium. So go ahead, act like everybody else, because I'm an expert and I say this is what you have to do to succeed. Imagine how average you can be with best practices. Boom.
1: <clears throat>
0: ah, never again. <laughs> so, okay. So, so that's what the average B2B content marketing sounds like. As for what Envision did,
1: well... I really didn't get fascinated with design until I started to learn what it was and what it could actually do. I tend to think of design as a natural form of life. You think of a spider creates a web, or a bird develops a nest, or a bee a honeycomb. It's something that allows us to be able to create and develop and innovate things within our own ecosystem of life.
2: I think of design as like a bridge
1: that connects complexity with meaning. Like on one side you have something very complex, it could be a
2: technology, could be a system, could be anything. On the other side you have a person. Design is that thin layer that connects complexity to meaning. At its best, design is human. We're not artificially creating something just for the sake of it. That it stems from something that people actually need and want. It's not about, does it have drop shadows? Is it pretty? Is it skeuomorphic? It's more about the connection I have to it. It's not pixels, it's not a nitty-gritty and using Photoshop or whatever you know, tool you want, it's the act of intentionally solving problems.
3: It really takes a monumental step of improvement in order to get somebody to change the way that they're already living their lives. But I think once you've created something that is truly disruptive, that is way different and way better, people will notice it and it's only a matter of time before a lot of people notice it and start using it.
0: As designers, really what all we're doing is reflecting the world. As the world changes, the things that matter, changes too. Introducing Design Disruptors, a full feature documentary featuring Google, Facebook, Netflix, Dropbox, Zappos, Salesforce, Airbnb, Evernote, Twitter, Spotify, Zendesk, Pinterest, MailChimp, and more. Boom.
4: This all started very organically. We wanted to go out and meet with our best customers, the people who make the products that we all love, you know, the most, and just meet and greet them.
0: That's Envision founder and CEO, Clark Valberg.
4: What ended up happening is we went out, met with these people, and found that they had a lot more to tell us, you know, a lot more to tell us than just what they were doing with our product. There was a movement here, and they all felt it, they all understood that their role within the company and their company's role kind of in, in the formation of this new market called digital product design, was was happening it was evolving right here and now and they had a lot to say about
0: it so this started with customer testimonials so that was their first project we're going to go out just like everybody else in our space and get those testimonials but then they did something that most companies don't do they genuinely listened to their customers in other words they asked why a lot Why did their customers tell them so much about product design as a career, not just the products they were designing with the Envision tools? Why did people get so passionate? Why did they seem so frustrated by so many things? What was really happening with their customers? In other words, the Envision team was on the hunt to get the first principle of the matter, that foundational but hard-to-reach truth that they could use to inform all of their work. And they found it.
2: There was no clarity around what a product designer did or what their value was. And even at the point when we started making the film, product designer wasn't really even a very common title.
0: That's Claire Bird. She was the Envision lead on the creative side of this film. She worked for Envision for about three years. Claire says that what Envision had uncovered, that first principle insight, was that their customers felt a lack of identity around the job, both for their own careers and for the broader awareness around the business world as you hear in the film.
1: I believe that design has become so analogous with the way that we live. It's so intuitive. It's so much a part of the way that we interact with things that we don't even really notice that it exists. And that's actually a good thing, but you know, it's a bad thing because then people don't really realize the value.
2: And I think part of the film was to help provide some of that clarity or to, or maybe not to provide the clarity of what the job was, but really describe the impact of the job to people outside of design.
0: I love that. It's like, so it's like tech job 101. It's just like, how do you explain it to somebody who's not a techie?
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: So what is a product designer anyway?
2: Uh, good question. Um, so a product designer is the person who figures out how the thing works and what it looks like. So they, they unify form and function. Um, and they think of it as the same thing So the the UI and the actual look and feel of a product drastically affects the way someone uses it. And it affects the way that people engage with different parts of the, the product or if they even do, the level of trust they have in that platform or product or business. So the person who is a product designer is understanding of those things from the customer side and is advocating for that, but also translating business requirements into the best possible user experience.
0: The way something looks and feels radically changes how people actually interact with the product. And so their movement through the product, their actions taken or not taken, the conversions that a company wants, everything is affected by the design.
3: Before I came to Airbnb, I thought that design was something done in Photoshop only, that it was about making pixels look pretty. What I didn't realize is that design is about every touch point a customer has with your service.
4: So we do a process at Google Ventures called a, a design sprint. It's a week-long design exercise that takes you from having inklings about ideas or, or uh, worries about risks and, and or potential successes and go and validate those with customers by the end of the week.
0: But most people around the business world had no idea about any of that. The thoughtfulness, the process, the uh, the strategic nature of the job. And that could lead to a ton of friction, since most companies didn't actually use their product designers in a strategic position, and and few had product designers in positions of power. Most thought, I don't know, these designers sit in a corner and dress in casual clothes and drink that extra strong coffee, and they make pixels look pretty, or the logo look larger. Ugh. And so, the Envision team asked themselves a simple question. What if these people without a crystallized identity yet, what if they... We're celebrities.
2: The goal in making the film was really to provide a foundational piece of content for the design community that really described the importance of design and the impact that it's had in the marketplace today. Oh, it's
0: interesting that you said uh, a foundational piece for the design community, because in my head, I thought you were going to say for the company. Uh, Why did you phrase it like that? Or why did you guys uh, think of it that way when you were starting to build it?
2: Because... It, while it was an Envision-sponsored project, Envision is actually quite design process agnostic. Uh, they're there to provide a platform to help people do their job better, not to uh, kind of try to enforce a specific type of design within an organization. So at Envision, every piece of marketing that we ever did was about designers and their process and their methodology, not about Envision. And, and
0: then that sounds great in theory, right? But then they had to move from theory to you know reality. Oh, we we
4: had no idea what we were getting into.
0: Why do people love best practices? Maybe it's the safety element. I think it's about surviving, not necessarily thriving. As Clark says, they had no idea what they were getting into, and that's a scary proposition. You could get fired, you could stagnate, you could fail. But when we follow a best practice, we're told that it's going to work out okay. We're going to be safe. Our primitive minds say, great, we're in the middle of the tribe, surrounded by people who see the world this way or march in this order, and therefore we'll survive the night. There will be no predators that pick us off from the outskirts, and, and no cold that claims our life. I think that's what it is. I don't know. But I do know that best practices come with a promise. Follow them, and you'll get the best results. They'll shoot us straight up into the right, right away. But do they? I mean... That is what we're told will happen. But usually, what actually happens if we looked at our results? So, if the best practice is supposed to yield the best result, why doesn't that usually work for us? Very simply, we have to add the us. For Envision, it was all about finding those first principle insights in their own context.
4: The aspiration is, how do you become a platform for your customer's voice? How do you find the thing that makes them passionate about what they
0: do 9 to 5? That bleeds into their personal identity. And when you find an insight that is that fundamental, that foundational, you can inform all of your work with it. You can build up original thinking from a better starting point than anybody else. Others might view it as creative or even crazy, but you're just taking the logical route forward from where you begin, which is that great fundamental first principle insight.
2: A lot of the, the pain that we heard from the designers and design community was that The people who owned their projects, the non-designer or the non-technical owner, line of business owner, didn't understand what they were doing or why they were doing things for those reasons. So they would often get a whole bunch of reactive feedback like, oh, can you make my logo bigger when that substantially and materially affected the way that people would use their products. And so for us, this was... A, I mean, I don't, like it's not a, I don't like saying a brute force activity, but it kind of was.
0: <laughs> and the beauty here is that work that's informed by a first principle insight, it triggers this emotional response from others. You're addressing the way of the world as they actually deal with it. And oh my gosh, finally, somebody gets me. You get an emotional, visceral reaction.
4: I think the challenge is how do you create personally provocative experiences that leverage someone's personal emotional energy in service of their craft
0: to tell a story. For Clark, Claire, and the rest of the Envision team at the time, that story was indeed the missing piece at first. They had a great insight, but what did they want to do with it?
4: Interviewing customers, getting people who were interested in talking about you know the future of digital product design, that part was easy. I think we had like, twice as many folks interviewed than actually appear in the final film. But getting it all together in... A movie that people would want to sit down and watch. Uh, That was the hard part.
0: And so, naturally, to address the hard part of all this and to lead this entire massive project, they found an expert. Clearly, somebody with years of experience producing incredible documentaries. Right? Right? Come on. Do you understand how this show works, like, at all?
2: So I have produced... Precisely one video it's called design disruptors. So, um, (laughs) and and I definitely have been adjacent to the video production process, but like at envision we have a person named Andy who does all of the corporate video and he's awesome. And I never have to do anything. He just goes and does it. Uh, and he still does. And I've never produced a video myself. I'm patently bad at taking pictures and doing any kind of frame type work. So anything video or photo, I'm just bad at it. I think I ha- personally, I think I have good sensibilities and good design sense, um, but definitely can't do it myself. I don't even know how to edit a film. I still don't. <laughs> uh,
0: but, <laughs> wait, 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 hold on. But but despite all that, can you just describe like what what were all these roles that you had on this film?
2: The, the biggest part of my role was creative direction. So I finalized the story and did all of the major feedback and on on what needed editing um finalized our sound finalized our color worked through our branding all the web stuff all the campaign stuff all the copy
0: so so this person with no video experience let's put her in charge of the video like (laughs) strategic decisions overview um How do you approach that with a straight face? Like what gives you the trust in yourself that you're like, you know what? I've never done this, but I'm going to deliver.
2: If you break anything into small enough pieces, it becomes possible. So if you are able to sit down and look at a giant massive thing and break it into atomic parts, then it becomes attainable. So that's basically what we did. We're like, okay, when you have this giant behemoth project, what are the tiniest pieces we can build? We can break it into. And then how do we start working on those things?
0: Claire actually learned this in an unexpected place.
2: This comes from the kitchen. (laughs) So I have a food and beverage background. Uh, I moved to the Bay Area to be a cook, to to cook for people and be a chef. Um, I ran restaurants before I moved. And uh, everything that you do in the kitchen, you break down into mise en place. Mise en place means everything in its place. And it's all of the prep that you need to do for a specific thing done in advance. So the only thing you have to do on the line when you're actually during service is cook. (laughs) <laughs> uh, or execute. You just have to assemble the thing instead of having to do all the prep and all the work on the fly. Um, I took that lesson directly to creative projects. And it was really just how I think about life in general uh, is that mise en place is a, a concept is something that you can apply to more than just cooking on a line. Uh, it can be applied to literally anything that is an assemblage of parts. So that's how I approach. This project, all my marketing projects, everything I write, even like uh, straight all the way down into the copy that I produce.
0: So Claire had that mental mise en place that she broke out for this project in order to distill it into its core parts, because once all those things are in their places, she could make better decisions faster. She knew, okay, we need someone to run the technical side, the the cameras, the microphones, the lighting, the editing. And so she found a video production agency to work alongside her as she provided the creative direction. She also needed to figure out the arc of the film. So that would require some kind of document or outline or blueprint. And all right, to get to the document, you would need to do some storyboarding. But first, to storyboard, you need some kind of high-level theme, a big question or theory or, you know, the scaffolding around the story that basically serves as the thing you're exploring. Bigger pieces broken continually into the smaller ones, everything neatly in its place. And all of it was done before the quote-unquote dinner rush, the madness of creating a documentary film. And so, first things first. What was the theme, the angle on product design?
2: We had a premise, like a hypothesis that we wanted to prove. We were happy to be disproved, but we felt pretty strongly about the hypothesis being um, all of these disruptive companies that you see in the news and you talk about and probably have 15 of them on your phone are design forward. They're design thinkers. They they deeply integrate design and designers into their executive layers, into serious strategy, strategy-driven roles within the organization, and they have a clear opinion and point of view on how you do design and how you do it right.
0: So with that component part in hand, they entered the storyboarding phase. And she knew, if we're coming at this topic with that hypothesis in mind, we can't just have them share theory about the work we have to show the reality.
2: Instead of just have them get up there and and talk about what they've done, we really wanted to show them in their element and watch them actually film them doing a design sprint with their teams. So what
4: we're going to draw now is actually four potential solutions to some of the big challenges that we put on the Post-it notes. And so it's usually user sees something, they do something, and then the system reacts in some way. And so... People are going to think more holistically about how a user might move through the system to solve the problem that we're trying to solve.
2: One of the biggest parts of the film was, yes, these people are just giants within the space, but they're normal people.
1: I didn't know what design was, no one had ever told me. I grew up on the south side of Chicago, and I didn't have someone walk into my art classroom and say, you son can be a designer, but what I did have was people who were extremely creative. Um, my mother's a great example of that. She leveraged what we had in our home to create opportunities for us to dream and believe in ourselves. One day, I was at Texas Instruments as a summer intern. Engineering
4: intern. We were telling like a real story of people and, and just the passion that came across in, in these interviews. It was something that was just very palpable.
0: Piece by piece, Claire moved rapidly through the line in her creative kitchen, all thanks to having each component part broken out. So in a way, everything they did seemed small, even while they thought big.
2: This is an important thing, and it's important enough that we're going to build a feature-length documentary about it.
0: Little by little, Claire and Envision cooked up a massive, delicious meal. Design Disruptors is beautiful to watch. It's powerful in its message, and it's clearly a huge labor of love.
2: It's quite a process,
4: and yet this film has never gone live, like live and free on the internet. I'm sorry, what now? We did four uh, red carpet premieres that we ran: one in San Francisco, one in New York, I think one in Toronto, and one in London. Uh, and so we ran those events, and I think you know any number, any of them had you know more than a thousand people, uh, which was you know mind blowing and something just so far beyond you know what we expected
0: okay so here's where a bit of backstory is needed see to find the budget to pay for the film clark and his marketing team decided to pull from their event sponsorship budget they actually used all these dollars that they would otherwise have in a booth setting putting their logo on event collateral and they filtered that towards the film and then they used the film to launch their own events their own series of in-person premieres
4: beyond that we set up community screenings so and this is something you can do right now if you go to designdisruptors.com, you can sign up and say that you want to show a, you know show this film to your special interest group and we've done I think a film a showing at every general assembly location at you know tons of campuses at IBM at Dropbox and, and also just independent groups AIGA you know uh,
0: meetups have used the film to uh create a little special movie night folks just all over the globe all total they've had more than 1500 independent screenings across the world with anywhere from 50 to several hundred people at each and just like they've reached that very first principle the foundational layer of what their customers were going through they also reached the first principle of events because why does anybody actually use events as marketers well events are a chance to meet industry luminaries Kind of like the tens of executives appearing in this film. And the hundreds that appeared at the offline screenings.
2: A whole host of people we never even considered before or or thought we could actually access.
0: Additionally, events are a chance to develop real relationships with people who care about the same stuff that you care about kind of like the thousands of connections they made across the globe.
2: It drove about 70,000 leads for us.
0: Lastly, events are an easier way to get in front of hard-to-reach people who are brought together by a common belief, kind of like all the key companies that wanted to screen this film and openly welcomed Envision to their offices, excited to chat.
2: It was very easy for us to just leverage a person who was writing in from NBC or some other behemoth enterprise who wanted to screen the film for his design team internally to just be like, hey, and how about we send you out uh, you know, a consultant to run you through a design workshop for that day?
0: When you reach the first principle of something, you can build back up more original thinking. And it all starts with knowing what the thing is actually for, what the customer is actually after, what you actually bring to the table. And even though the tactic, the resulting work might seem a little bit different or even wildly crazy to others, it'll probably work better because you're basing it on the truth.
2: So hundreds of cities, thousands and thousands of people, huge number of leads, um, and it just worked really well.
0: All total, 60,000 people have watched this film in person. And it's been licensed to hundreds of organizations for screenings across the world. And Envision donates those fees to a design charity helping with career education. And by the way, none of this happened because the team had some kind of gift They weren't visited by some mythical muse. They didn't lock into a huge budget without accountability. They didn't have anything that we'd normally point to as an excuse for why we can't do what they did. So what did they have? Some first principle insights. Some basic but hard-to-reach truths about the world. If we can reach those kinds of truths, we can create our own more creative, more fulfilling, more successful work on top of that solid foundation. You see, first principle insights make creativity seem logical instead of lofty. Most B2B marketers in Envision's shoes, when they publish content, they all start with the idea of driving leads. The corresponding tactic is then to create SEO-friendly blog posts or ebooks crammed behind a lead gen form. But Envision wondered why? Why would anybody become a lead for our business in the first place? Well, they want to design better products. Okay. Why? Well, because they value design in their business. All right, great. Why? Well, because they understand the value of design. So they realized, if we address that in our marketing, the leads will follow. And so they did. And they did. But I get it. From the outside looking in, it still seems crazy. It seems like they would have been safer publishing those boring, predictable blog posts that everybody always publishes. It seems smarter to continue sponsoring events, not create an entire film to then build your own. And here's the thing. What Envision did is crazy until you understand their context, until you reach the same insights that they've reached, because then you're seeing the full picture and you're just taking the logical path forward from there. And because the best practice isn't that path, they couldn't rely on the expert to guide them forward. So instead, they let the customer be the guide.
2: Envision Marketing has a, a, a little mantra that is, don't be gross. <laughs>
0: Wait, what is it? What is, sorry, what is it again?
2: Don't be gross.
0: Don't be gross. <laughs>
2: don't be gross. So that's that's our little north star so anytime that we would if we were in a decision uh, about how we should approach a problem within the film that's really what we fell back to and that was really just a core value it's it's about service so how do we best serve our customer through this thing and which direction best serves our customer and that's how we basically decided everything (laughs) There's this moment in the film where uh, one of our speakers doesn't know what to call himself like from a title perspective. <laughs> and there's this whole this whole sequence where all of our all, all of our speakers go through this kind of like a fumble of like what do I call myself? What's my title at this organization? Like it's still it's not even defined for them.
3: Designers like to invent all sorts of titles for themselves and all sorts of different ways to describe their little niche of the world. <laughs> Uh, I am a product designer. I'm VP of design. Senior
1: experience designer.
2: The director of user experience.
1: Product design director.
2: <laughs> and uh, I think that a moment like that is everybody in the audience laughed because they've experienced something so similar in their own day-to-day life. And I think it really made the film relatable to them. Uh, and I just loved that. Um, and there are, there are lots of moments in the film where the people who are speaking become really relatable or they say something so like deeply resonant where it would actually get a, a physical reaction out of the audience
0: showing the entire film to whoever saw it first for outside the company. Like, do you remember like who was there? What were you feeling? What was that moment like?
2: So the (laughs) first, the first time that people, anyone from outside the company saw the film was at the San Francisco premiere at the Castro theater. We had shipped the final version of the film literally three or four days before. And Like, we were really down to the wire on the edits for the film. And I commend the team that was working with me on this to have pulled that off. Uh, But when the lights went down and the music came up and the credits started rolling in the Castro Theater in San Francisco with a thousand of my peers from the local community, it was really, it was was overwhelming. It was like overwhelmingly good. regardless of all of the anxiety that I felt coming up to that moment and all of the insecurity I had around like being a pretender in this role and like building something so big and potentially so impactful from a brand that people really respect in the design space. The, the first, (laughs) the first credit role was incredibly overwhelmingly awesome. And the, the, the response from the audience was also really awesome. So when the, when the film finally rolled all the way through and the credits came down, like the applause and the, the shouting and the whooping and all of that stuff was really validating. Um, and it was just a really sweet moment for me.
0: What, in your perspective... What is preventing people from doing great work like this? It just, this seems to be just the way people should operate. Like, what do you think holds people back? And what would you say to them to push them forward?
2: I think what holds people back is fear. Being afraid of failure. Uh, Like, design Disruptors could have absolutely crashed and burned. Thank God it didn't. And we did everything that we could to make sure that it didn't. But in my opinion being doing like, <laughs> this is, this is controversial. Best practices are worthless. A lot of the best practices that I hear just is a way to, if you follow a best practice, you're just, you know, following the herd. And I think that the herd is not what gets noticed. The, the lone creature out on the savanna gets noticed. So that's such a terrible metaphor. But, uh, my point being that fear shouldn't hold you back ever. And if you're doing something that makes you afraid, you're probably on the right track that you should keep doing it.
0: Because when you venture forward on the same path as the herd, well, you feel safe. Everyone else is doing it this way. At least I can blame the trend or the group if I fail. But when you break from the herd, it feels riskier. And so our jobs as creators are to find those insights that makes the new path seem logical. It makes the lonely road seem smarter. And once we find those insights we can use the feedback of those we serve, the customer, the client, the audience as signal that we're on the right path. After all, if there's any group that we want to find on the path that we take, any herd we want to run with, it's our customers, our audience, our tribe, not our competitors. Claire and her team broke things down to their basic pieces and built back up their thinking from there. They understood themselves. Don't be gross. Be overt about your beliefs. Even be a platform that others can join and build on when they see the world the same way too. They understood their customers. They wanted that definitional piece. They wanted to crystallize their career path, not only to find meaning and clarity themselves, but to help others in business take them more seriously and work better with their peers. Lastly, Envision understood their resources. They moved budget from the right source, events, over to making this film. And in doing so, they still stuck to their need to drive leads, but actually improved the quality of those leads.
2: So that was definitely something that was, that was a big validation for me because I've, I've gotten a lot of personal pushback in my career about wanting to take that approach to taking the, the customer first and the, the service to customer first approach rather than what this is going to do for the company. And what it really uncovered for me is that if you do it right and you think about it, you can get both.
0: In all of this, they dealt with the same things that we have to deal with, but they dug deeper than we normally do. When you understand you, your customers and your resources, you understand your context. Because what is a context? It's the person or people doing the work, the person or people receiving the work and then the means to make the work happen. The reason this project succeeded for Envision was that they deeply understood their context. They didn't obsess over somebody else's best practice, they crafted their own. And indeed, what they did wound up being the very best practice for them, for their own context. This team did something that to us might seem too expensive or too top of funnel, it's not tied enough to actual revenue or leads. It seems that way. Until you know what they know, then it actually seems pretty damn smart. Pretty logical. Best practices can only work well for us if we remember to add the us. Otherwise, we're running an equation that doesn't take into account all the variables of our own situation. It's a faulty equation. And the best a faulty equation can provide is an approximation. Something average. Envision called this film, design, disruptors. Why?
1: The word disruption for me is confidence in action. When you see true disruptors, they're people that are fearless. They're people that are not afraid to walk out in front of an audience and say, I do not have the answer, but I am not going to quit until I find it. So it's the reason why I think people like the kid that has yet to be a founder, you know, in the middle of Bangladesh, and she's thinking about her future. It's the reason why they compete, because this game is a competition, much like sports. Disruption is, I would say, the byproduct of improvisation. When you do something different, when you follow your gut, when you try to zig when everyone else zags, you by sheer nature of, of, of momentum move in a direction where other people aren't looking and create that at what we call a wave. A wave of opportunities and a wave of uh impact and interest in new and different ways that people never thought could exist. We think of disruption
0: as something destructive, but maybe it's that wave. It creates, rather than destroys, more opportunities, more impact, more interest, new and different possibilities that others could never even imagine.
3: Do you know the story of the pike and the minnow? There's an aquarium with a pike swimming around in it, and if you drop a minnow, it'll just, like, eat up the minnow. But if you put those minnows in a bottle, a glass bottle, and lower the bottle into the aquarium, the pike can't see the glass, so it'll try to eat the minnows but just smack off the glass. It'll try again and again, and after a couple hours, it thinks... I guess minnows aren't things that I can eat. But then after it's learned that if you remove the glass and you set the minnows free, they'll just float right by the pike's face. He's learned that he can't eat a minnow anymore, but there's a tasty meal right there for him. And that's kind of like how the markets change, right? We just get used to stuff. We get used to the thermostat on our wall being shitty. We get used to it being hard to get around our city. It takes a special kind of business and a special kind of designer, honestly, to keep pushing at those things. So we'll know when something as subtly has changed about our environment and a new thing is, is possible.
0: And if we start our work by finding our own first principle insights in our context, well, all the disruption in the world, all the creativity, all the great work we want to do, it seems rather strategic. Even if, from the outside, it seems a little crazy
2: making a movie is it's kind of a dumb idea (laughs) it's a big 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 project with no clear return on investment path and no you know real business impact if you think about it only as a film Um, however I think that I've always kept this this candle in my heart for high quality stuff that is meant solely to serve someone and that gets corrupted so often when people try to force a business function onto it and my opinion is that you create the thing with the most integrity that's you can and you produce the highest quality deliverable that you can that's the most pure of intention and and you build the rest around that experience and then that integrity is differentiating
3: we're just scratching the surface right now if you walked into a hospital and asked doctors like hey are you delighted by the electronic medical records software that you use, if you talk to teachers and say, hey, are you stoked by the educational software that you use? Like The vast majority are not still excited by the stuff that they have. And so there's still a long way for us to go.
1: Companies are starting to get closer to the idea that if you can create an amazing experience, it's going to help improve your business. Um, and I think that wasn't something that was uh, so clear even five years ago.
0: See, like maybe three years ago, designers were always worried
2: about being at the table. We're always kind of complaining like we don't have a voice, uh, people don't listen to us, engineers kind of you know have the upper hand. Uh, it's not the case anymore. Um, in fact, if you're a designer that believes that you don't have a seat at the table, you're not listening.
3: The questions now aren't, can we build it? Because more and more of the answer is yes, we can build anything. The question is, what will make us happy? What will make us fulfilled? What is the future that we want to build together?
2: Integrity of the idea always will win, 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 win.